So welcome to another episode of Runtime Reverie. Uh, today we've got Hot Take Patrick on expedition to the US. Uh, where, where are you? Right are you which, which state are you in? I'm in Florida in, in the uh, United States of America. It's first time to the US. And um, yeah, decided I sh should share my hot takes with the world. So. <laughs> And um, I think uh, Craig might be away today, but uh, yeah, maybe he might join us later. We'll see how that goes. And um, yeah, what, what's on the what's on the ticket? What's what's happening in Florida other than a major hurricane that may cause issues? Yeah, the hurricane fortunately um, missed me. Um, there's some flooding and stuff on the coast. It doesn't look that. Yeah, glad I'm sort of inland. I'm in Orlando. And um, so, yeah, missed all that. But um, yes, yeah, so the conference organizers are coming tonight, I think. And there's, uh, I asked, and um, sounds like I'll be included in stuff like going to Universal um, theme park and other things that are around here. So, um, haven't really been to a theme park. I'm not sure if, um, what's the thing in Melbourne? The Lunar Park. I'm not sure if that really, you know, it's. That does a bit not scary. count. No. Yeah, it's pretty scaled down. So uh, yeah, you know, go on one of these crazy roller coasters. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So it's all about um, uh, the conference there, right? What's the conference? Uh, ElixirConf. So it's the tenth anniversary, and so Elixir as a programming language, I think, has been out for about ten years, and they must have had conferences pretty early on. Um, so it's the 10th anniversary, and it's in this nice like res resort in um, Florida. And so I think they're going all out. So I think of all the ones to attend, I think I'm attending the right one. And um, yeah, it's like multi-tracks. So There's going to be like three stages, so it's going to be pretty full, full on. Oh um, wow! So they probably have thousands of people attending. I think it's pretty big. Yeah, I'm not sure how many people are attending, but I think it's pretty big. There's a lot of speakers. I think it might be like 80 speakers or something. And um, there's three keynotes. And the first keynote's on Monday, I think. And um, and then I'm straight after in the same room after the keynote. So they've, they've given the me, they've given them, yeah, there's like a little break. And then, so they give me a really good slot. And so I feel like, um, yeah, I have to deliver, but um, so and, yeah. And you talk ready? Are you? Are you? Um, can you give us like a one-line teaser of what it's oh, about? Um, I think the talks ready. Probably needs another. I want to practice at least once more. Um, the talk is on. Um, well, basically, I've, I think WebAssembly is an area of interest. Not saying it's going to be like take over. Like I. And never go that far with anything like that. I don't think it's going to like we're all going to be writing WebAssembly instead of whatever you're using today. But um, yeah, I think there's some unique properties. The fact that it can run on um, all the major platforms today, I think that's really compelling. And so I wanted to create a, I just call it a DSL, but sort of becoming a bit of a programming language to help author WebAssembly. Um, so basically, like, looked at the WebAssembly spec, looked at the this WebAssembly text format, and made like a slightly higher version in Elixir um, that helps you, yeah, write these little WebAssembly modules. 
Yeah, so, right. Yeah. So it's it's actually you're you're writing in a DSL on top of Elixir. Yep. Um, but it's compiling down to WebAssembly. Yeah, I'm taking a bit of a shortcut. It just compiles down to this WebAssembly text format, which looks sort of like a Lisp or a Scheme-like language. Um, so I'm just spitting out a string of that of that format. Um, and then there's like a little utility that you can use in Rust um, or on the command line to convert that text format into the WebAssembly um, binary format. And and I, if this thing gets some traction, that's what I'm hoping to see. Like I don't want to just be the only one running this library. I want to go like, hey, here's this thing, and then like hopefully people in the community go like, oh yeah, that's solving a. Pro I can see how this might solve a problem I have. Um, so if that happens then I'll invest more time in uh, compiling directly to the um, binary format of WebAssembly. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Awesome. Um, OK, so I have to tell you what, what I'm excited about this week. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited about um, semantic kernel. Yeah, so now, so what, first thing you can ask is, what is it? Uh, you know, and it's, I'll just try and draw analogies. There's there's other in the in the AI space, which is growing really, really fast and, and moving crazy fast every week. Um, there's a few other tool sets, things like Langchain. I don't know if you've heard of Langchain. Heard um, of it. Yeah. No. Um, so you would have heard of early days that there were things like AutoGPT. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I was wasn't really convinced by that thing. So I really understood it. Well, there's this idea that um, you know you, you don't want to just a large language model by itself just, is just one piece of it, but there's a lot more you could do if you if you just tack on a, a little bit of extra scaffolding, right? Yeah. So in particular, what would you what could you do um, if you had like a, a multi-step problem to solve? Right? Yeah. Like a classic one is I want I want the um, I want the model to write me a poem, but then translate it to another language. Yeah. That would be a classic sort of problem, right? So that's actually two steps. There's a there's a generation generation step, write me a poem about X, and then there's just a straight translation step, which is a totally separate thing. It's a separate problem. Um, so there are you know people start making these tool sets to combine um, multiple steps in a in a process and say okay, well step one generate poem, step two translate poem to another language, right? And it doesn't have to be two steps. It could be ten steps. It could be many. Um, so things like Langchain were, were born. They also add other other elements like memory, so you can store some information about what what conversations were had and what previous things you've learned, um, and a variety of other things. Um, there's another one that Microsoft's made recently. It's sort of like the enterprise version of something like like that. Um, mm -hmm. It's focused on um, C sharp and enterprisey tool sets, it's, and that their version is called Semantic Kernel. They said something really, really cool, and and, and um, I think that just got me super excited uh, about the future of programming and like what what things could be. Like just as excited as you are about web development with WebAssembly, this got me really excited about uh, just uh, not traditional backend, but just general general pro programming. Right? <laughs> Historically, mo all our programming languages, all the stuff you're working on and most people have ever done, we, we've done our careers has been sort of um, in this, uh, uh, I guess, paradigm of syntactic coding. So you, you, you write some syntax which describes exactly what you want to 
to the computer, right? Mm -hmm. I want you to do this step and this step and this step. And, and you sort of, you're literally programming the computer to do a series of actions. Mm -hmm. What LLMs do is uh, they uh, allow you to describe something not using syntax, but using semantics. So mm. like you need to try and in, interpret something uh, both to to generate or to infer or find similar elements, right? Mm. Um, and that that's sort of like, uh, if you think about it in terms of traditional programming, you might have a traditional native function and you might have mm -hmm. then a semantic function, right? Okay. And, and so what they did with semantic kernels, they said, hey, look, just that same idea that you have pipelines of steps, um, just like you might have a pipeline in a web web application or in a you know in a web assembly pipeline. We were talking about web assembly modules the other week. You have a pipeline of steps. In that you might have native functions that do traditional native syn syntax based compute. actions. Yeah. Compute. Compute. Yeah. But you might also have a step that is purely semantic compute. Okay. Right? And that so semantic kernel lets you define both of these types of functions and merge them in. And not just into a pipeline, but into a planner, which decides, hey, which thing am I going to pick off the, the recipe list to achieve this end and in what order? Okay. Uh, so it's almost like a scheduler. Or... It's like a scheduler, except the scheduler is is, is semantic. So you can, yeah. you, you can leave it up to the scheduler to go figure out what sequence to pull these things, these functions in and which functions need to be native functions. So for example, uh, some functions need to be very deterministic. Like what time is it right now? I don't want it to imagine the time. I want to know exactly what time it is now. Um, what, you know, what some date operation is, what like some, you know, I want to see articles from last year. Well, last year is a very specific thing. It's not up to conjecture or interpretation, right? Hmm. So that could, be, that could be a- deterministic. It's deterministic. It's a deterministic yeah. function that you can define with very deterministic syntax. And the but then you could say, I want you to find articles last year that were about WebAssembly and Elixir. Yeah. Right. And there it has to use some some um, some semantic understanding of what those articles are to figure out what's what's about those topics. My my understanding of the the current LLMs is that almost in opposition to the previous AI efforts where they tried to semantically understand the text. They tried to use um, linguistics and sort of say like, hey, this thing's a verb, this thing's a noun, and therefore when this thing is next to this thing, it's, uh, you know, it's read, not read, like even though they're both R-E-A-D, it like mm. semant it, you had to sort of tell it, a, you had to sort of help it hold its hand doing that and i thought the new llms were sort of just like almost just probabilistic they sort of had no understanding of the content at all they could just all they could do is sort of just predict that given this token and this token then this token is most likely to happen like they have zero semantic so is that is that it's not quite right no there's okay. definitely that's a simplistic version of it of it complexity yeah so but they okay. they um do they do they know i don't know if they know anything that's a pretty loaded 
because that was the like that was the sort of big thing and um i thought with like training was like how do you kick off the track like can you just give it a bunch of data can you just give it a a truckload of data and we just have a terabyte of data we get all of reddit all the stack overflow all of whatever scrape everything and then just pass go good luck and it just trains itself like i thought that was just one of the big breakthroughs was that you didn't sort of have to go and hold its hand at all you just sort of given enough data this thing could work out all the patterns and be like have a high enough quality output yes but there's there's lots of nuance under that okay. so you, you know you here's all the the data from x okay. then there's a pipeline which uh cleans the data uh cuts it up into into like bite-sized little pieces the right size pieces the appropriate overlap between pieces so that they can maintain context oh in terms uh, of like the tokens yeah like so the tokenization is like a key well, not just tokenization but you've yeah. got to actually you've got to ch like chop it up into little pieces um, and okay. you've got to chop it up into the right size pieces broken up at the right points um, okay. then you you've got to do that over and over and over and then the, there's a i'm sure there's even more complexity that i'm not aware of um so do, do they understand syntax oh, sorry um semantics yeah they sort of do because okay. of um because of the the way they are presented the data and the groupings of the data is is what i but it's all i don't know the, the lingo but there's some term of art for it like it's sort of it's inferred like it it's sort of self-categorizing isn't it like you don't there's not a human having to go like this label this label this label it's like it's, it's almost just like given enough data it works out what buckets to put things in and sort yeah. of yeah yeah and you know i'm not sure if we have time this week but next week we'll ask me about yeah. embeddings i'll tell you about embeddings okay. and how they work and how uh, hmm. the, the grouping and the similarity searches work. Hmm. Um, so but, the, yeah. But, oh, so is this so the semantic kernel idea of like sort of creating this pipeline? Is that like a key problem that people have found? It's hard to sort of wire all the stuff together. Like, is there efficiencies to be gained? Because like if you run like a Chat GPT thing, now it gives you back the text version. Like has to convert the text to tokens to do magic like box as in my understanding you know what you just described then it gets tokens out the other end then it turns that into text like are you skipping that like tokens to text text to tokens thing if you've got these two things like you can just go tokens to tokens like it doesn't have to sort of encode it and decode it is there is there efficiencies uh, i'm not sure quite what you're getting at but uh, one one concept here to think about is um, often you're you're looking up information, right? You're trying okay. to find some answer. That answer, um, it, it's not about uh, finding similar words. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes it is about finding similar sort of words or se semantic semantically similar meanings. But other mm -hmm. times, it's about very discrete metadata that you need to filter on, um, okay. or you need apply for example the date right like i want articles mm -hmm. last year um it, it, and and so there it, yeah you need to combine different types of uh, logic to to get an output also uh th there's just the the types of problems you can solve when you can chain operations 
is dramatically yeah. higher. The same thing we were talking about this for WebAssembly, right? So if you can mm -hmm. if you can chain WebAssembly modules together to achieve mm -hmm. an end, it's the same thing. Um, so yeah. what we what we've essentially done here is we've said, hey, we're going to add another thing to the programming tool toolkit, right? Mm -hmm. Two big things. One is we're going to add um, LLM-based semantic planners that interpret your words and uh, spit out a logical sequence of actions, right? Okay. And then, then the planner will then find the closest skill or thing, it, or like function, essentially, whether it's a native function or a semantic function. Oh, like, a SQL, like a SQL planner sort of... Very similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. So go look in this table, then join to that table. Yeah. So those planners now exist huh. in, in this world. So, but not only do they exist, but they they cross the bridge and they combine uh, native and semantic functions. Are they deterministic, like a SQL plan? Like the, obviously, you know, the SQL planner can. It's a bit of a black box, and you go, "Oh crap!" You know, just as this little thing and like plan something completely different. Like, is this thing like a hundred percent going to give you the same plan every time, or is it going to be like, "Oh crap"? Oh, no. It's all configurable, and all there's so many variables, and there's so many planners, and yeah. It and it's but it's deterministic. Like given what if I plan something and then you plan something, we'll have the exact same plan. Are the planners deterministic? Uh, again, up in the air. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because <laughs> that's the that's what it seems yeah. with this uh, AI stuff. Like you have to have have a bit of temperature for it to be the result to actually be interesting to humans. Um, not and, necessarily. Depends what you're no? trying to do. Okay. Well, for something like planning, you'd want to wind that down to zero. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. So sort of no randomness. Yeah, right. No, no. Huh. You, you, yeah, you don't want much of that at all, if any. Huh. Um, yeah. Cool. Huh. Dude, I'm, I'm running out of time. i I gotta, I got to jump oh, in a yeah. second. Um, I really want to talk about something else, which is the optimization. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I don't think we'll get time this week. Let's, yeah. let's put it on the docket for the next conversation. And let's see if we can get Craig in here because he's going to have some hot takes yeah. for sure. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, that would be good. Because um, I think you and I will probably take the same side. We need we need someone to take the other side. Yeah, okay. We'll take the sensible side. We need someone that we disagree with. <laughs> whatever, that, whatever side that is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, enjoyed the AI chat. I might um I might look into some of the stuff. It's um obviously the AI stuff's just like massive, but um yeah. Um, there's a great course that um, John Mader did. I'm going to um, link it in the oh, show cool. notes to you. Um, I definitely recommend anyone who's interested in this stuff to go go check that out, um, especially if you're in the tech world and you can follow along. Um, it's it's just brilliant. Hmm. Cool. All right. Well, um, yeah, that was a fun that was a fun episode, and I'll chat to you next week. Cool. Cool. Catch you later. Cool. Bye, everyone. Right. See ya.